What I want to do is get into some stuff tonight that we don't normally get into. And uh, that is, I don't know, this, this may be unique. I mean, you may hear some stuff you've never heard before tonight. And yet, probably should have. Because uh, the number one inheritance, I'm convinced, and it's hard to rank them, I mean, honestly, is uh, having your conscience expunged, uh, cleansed from dead works to serve the living God has got to be right up there among the top. But knowing or appropriating, knowing how, to appropriate the overcoming inheritance of Christ may eclipse all of it. Because the rewards in Scripture only go to the overcomers. We only got seven churches in Revelation that are the types and shadows of all the churches since the beginning of the church until now. And we know we got the last four. I mean, it's obvious. They're prevalent in today's world. And only two of the seven can actually contribute. Two out of seven. So a young couple who gets saved today, they got a 27.5% chance of finding a church that will actually contribute to their growth and development and not kill them and get their name blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. And everybody's got a 77.5% chance of finding a church that's somehow going to be detrimental to your growth and development. Unless... Oh, the big unless. The big unless. Unless you learn to appropriate the overcoming power of Christ. And it's so simple. It ain't rocket science. I'm anybody, five-year-old, two-year-old can get it. I got a three-year-old grandson that can understand this. And you know how difficult it is in raising grandkids when you have to help a lot? This kid was deprived of, he was actually, uh, because he had the uh, umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. So when they finally got him out and found it, they knew why they weren't seeing a heartbeat. And so there was a real concern that he was going to be brain damaged because of uh, all the minutes that existed without uh, oxygen. And, uh, I mean, hands down, he's the sharpest one of them all. Huh. I mean, he talks in complete sentences. He, at three years old, he's analytical. Uh, you know, kids that are really smart are a pain in the rear to raise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
we we bought a brand new, about a year ago, we we bought a brand new uh, uh, shredder. And because uh, we had all this stuff, we thought, you know, we have to shred. And so we just, we get one of those super shredders, shreds everything, man, it's thick and everything. It, anything's uh, staples, it shreds it all. It didn't make any difference. It'll eat it up. And so it's got a green light that tells you it's on all the time. And so that little character, more than anything else, loves to hear that shredder go on and hear it grind stuff up. (laughs) So every once in a while, we have a check that disappears in the office. And so Janie, whenever they're coming over, she will make sure she puts stuff she's working on up. Well, I think once or twice last year she she was so busy she you know got distracted and didn't get time and uh, came out there a couple of times and he had the shredder going. <laughs> we had no idea what was in it. So if anybody's lost a check, probably the three year old got to it and he turned the shredder on with it. <laughs> oh God Almighty! But I'll tell you what, it is fun to watch God heal, deliver. Should be brain damage, not absolutely brilliant. I mean, just, you tell you, that kid opens his mouth, you think you're talking to a 10-year-old, and he's three. Hallelujah. Another sign and a wonder. It should have gone this way. God sent it exactly the opposite way. Hallelujah. Now, I suspect we're going to have a multiple of those testimonies in the days ahead because we have lost so many people to abortion. I believe we're going to see an inundation of the Spirit, and it's going to be all hands on deck, and even the young ones are going to start prophesying. The Spirit of God comes on a three-year-old and he comes up and prophesies to you like a 20-year-old. That's when you tend to listen. That's kind of stuff. That's what we're headed for. So the atmosphere is what you and I are called to create. Create that atmosphere. So I think the chief issue, probably one that we even talked about, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of Kool-Aid that we got in seminary. I mean, Literally. Nobody can understand the book of Revelation, so leave it alone. It'll unfold. And so they they use the Gospels instead. There's only one book that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is never taught out of that book. You teach him out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When you first get saved for all the years of my life in ministry, you told the new believers, you start in the Gospel of John. That's what we told them. And so we have a church who knows Jesus from the Gospels, but they don't know the true Jesus of Revelation. There are gaps. If you take your Jesus out of the Gospels, that's easy to pervert some of the stuff he said. Because some of it was prior to the, the seasonal shift. There was a major shift at the end of his life. He's ministering under an anointing, birthing a new covenant, but under rules of the old. And so he's telling his disciples stuff in their preparation that passes away pretty darn quick. 
And we hardly ever go to the passages where Jesus tells them about the shift. Luke 22. When I sent you out without money bag, sack, or sandals, did you lack anything? No, Lord. No, we never did. We did exactly what you said. But now, he who has a coat, sell it. Get your money bag. Buy a sword. Does that sound like a shift to you? Here's two. Jesus said, that's enough. Buy a sword. Sell your coat, preacher. You need a sword more than you need a coat. Does that sound like a shift to you? It's time we shifted into Holy Ghost gear. So what are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to talk about making a shift into Holy Ghost gear. We're going to talk about how you get a testimony of Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about how when you're judged, you overcome any judgment that comes at you. You know how to do that by the Holy Ghost? You know how to do that by the Word? You ever been taught that? That you may overcome when you are judged. Is that a Bible verse? It's in Romans. We know how to do that. We've been taught how to do that. If we're in a civil war and there's judgment coming from the the Calvinistic side of the church, how do you overcome that? How do you walk so that you can overcome any judgment that ever comes against you? Would you like to know that? Would you like to be established in that? Would you like to walk right through judgment and like water off a duck's back, it can't stick to you? How valuable would that be? Well, if I can't teach you this tonight, I may turn in my credentials. Because I think it's time we learned how to go right through the teeth of the pharisaical spirit and slice it in half. So I got a goal tonight. You know what my goal is? Send you out of here with a certificate just like the one I carry from Nuclear Weapons Delivery School. No judgment. None can stick because you know how to overcome it. Our inheritance, our number one, I mean, our inheritance, there's so many. I'm not sure you can count them all because you've got to go back in order to complete the list of inheritance. You not only have to take everything that's listed in the New Testament, You have to go back to the Abrahamic covenant, Mosaic covenant, Deuteronomic covenant, Davidic covenant, and all those promises that are rolled into the new are our inheritance. You talk about broad, you talk about wide, you talk about deep. We've been two years just learning who we are in Christ, and now we're coming to the real meat of the word. 
I mean, it's meat. Smile at somebody and say, the fajitas are up. Bring on the hot sauce. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as he, number one, chose us in him before the foundation of the earth. Two, made us holy. Three, declared us blameless. Four, adopted us. Five, accepted us. Six, redeemed us. Seven, forgave us and expunged our record. Now we have the mystery of his will that begins to unfold in our life. We were called and anointed and inherited an anointing that makes us an overcomer. In whom we also have obtained an inheritance, verse 11. Uh, verse 13, in him we also trusted and we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now that's the nine sonship gifts right there. Boom, 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 boom. And what do you do with them? So when you get established in these, you know who you are in Christ. You are no longer just somebody who grew up in a family. You have transitioned to the family of God. You're adopted. You're a son and daughter of the king. So you start thinking different. And how do you think? You start thinking like an overcomer. How do you then procure the anointing to overcome in every situation? And that, my friend, is where going to the Gospel of John Chapter 16 is a good place to go. John 16. And now everybody is in Sunday school. Now this is hard as Sunday school. So what do we got going on here? The Holy... Larry and I didn't talk about what, you know, I was going to preach out here. We didn't plan for me finishing this series. This is just what comes up next. So he's flowing in the spirit on Sunday morning. And so all of a sudden, boom, we're about it. You, you know how Sunday goes. How was your week gone? What, you know, what, what, oh, oh, okay, here it is. Here's the theme for the morning. Turn to John 16. He read this verse right here, John 16. So you know what we're doing tonight? We're finishing up what the Holy Spirit started Sunday morning. And that's the way team ministry works. God wraps up a picture. He triggers something and then he says, I'm going to take you all the way through it. And what is that he is after? He is after you and I coming forth in the fullness of Christ, representing him as an overcomer. Let's read it, 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you have peace in the world. You have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have, circle please, overcome the world. Right in the side, nick, ah, o, overcome, Greek word, nick, n-i-k, ah, a-h-o, nick, ah, o, overcome. What do you do? Jesus overcame it, now you and I overcome it in the anointing that he gave us as an inheritance if We will do what he did to make sure it's always available. And it's not that hard. It's a choice. It's a choice that every one of us make. Go to Romans chapter 3. Everybody say, overcome the world. 
overcome the world. We are overcomers. Romans chapter 3. Overcomers. Well, let's see. Where does God, does God put a premium on overcoming or does he put an application on overcoming? Romans chapter 3, verse 3. For what if some did not believe, did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may, what does your Bible say? Overcome when you are judged. Now, it's one thing for the Lord to remove blame, shame, and guilt through the sonship gifts. It's another thing when you and I get established in those and we make a decision that we're going to walk with the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome any judgment that comes at us. That's what this verse promises right here. That's what this is all about. That you may, you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Hope. How do you do that? Step number one, you accept and get established in the sonship gifts so you know who you are. And then you choose to walk a walk. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter four. First Corinthians chapter four. Oh my. First Corinthians chapter four. Let's pick it up. Oh my. In verse one. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is inquired in stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself. Yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the kairos, the time, until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts, and then each one praise will come from God. All right, judge nothing before the time. Does that mean a second coming? What's the time? No, it's not Kronos. It's Kairos. Judge nothing before... Kairos is fluid. There are many Kairoses in every seasonal 40-year leadership generation chronos. There are multiple kairos moments in every seasonal chronos. We are in a leadership chronos right now. It's a season that lasts so long. And the every, every chronos, leadership, gen- okay, let's, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. It's back up to when the Holy Spirit was poured out, 1900. First restoration, Topeka, Kansas. 
That season went about 40 years. Leadership generation. We had the Pentecostal movement. We had churches come up. We Gifts of the Spirit restored. We had multiple Kairos movements of God during that 40-year leadership generation. And then the next 40 took us into about up to about 1980. What did we have? Well, we had a shift. We had a change. Some of the biggest Kairos changes were all of a sudden after all of the Pentecostals got organized in denominations, God said, this ain't enough. I want the whole church empowered. So there was a Kairos move of God where the Holy Spirit started visiting evangelical churches. Just people. Anywhere, everywhere. We call it the charismatic renewal. That was a Kairos. Faith movement. Kairos. Vineyard church planting movement. Kairos. Calvary Chapel church planting movement. Kairos. We had a bunch of those. We had a teaching Kairos. God restored the teaching ministry in the 70s. So what are we in now? Hallelujah. We're in our third major Kairos since the Holy Spirit was restored to the church. What do you think we're going to see? I think we have been prepped for the harvest of the nations. And that as this fourth major chronos begins to unfold starting next year, that's pretty close. We're just about to finish the third major Kairos. We've had multiple, or Kronos, we've had multiple Kairos moves in this last 40. But what's coming up? What's coming up looks to me like the beginning of the harvest of nations. We are about to stretch into a whole new dimension. So we got not just a minor shift coming, we got a major shift. And how's God finishing out the old Kronos? He's finishing out with a civil war in the church that's going to affect every single one of us because this isn't about denominations. It's not about who's right. It's not about who's wrong. It's about get out of your head and into your heart and into the Holy Ghost because the one who makes you an overcomer is the Holy Spirit. That's his job is to justify you before God and make you the overcomer that Jesus was. Anything less is subpar, below standard. What was the promise? To justify you and to make you an overcomer when you are judged. 
God's got an issue with the church. I don't care who judges you. You walk with me and I will make you an overcomer. And you'll see the judgment that comes out of their mouth fall on their head. You know, one of the, to me, one of the greatest Kairos demonstrations of this season we, we're just coming out of. And it started when Donald Trump was running for president. And I remember the first debate. Because the Lord spoke to me during that debate. He didn't tell me who was going to win. But he said, I want you to watch Megyn Kelly. And I want you to watch what happens to her if she comes against Donald Trump. Like a stinking Pharisee trying to judge somebody over their lifestyle versus what I've prepared people to be. Now you tell me, have you faced judgments in your life? Heck yes, you have. And they may not be much compared to what's coming. The greatest judgments may be yet to come at us. So if the Holy Spirit begins to say to us, I'm going to prepare you to overcome any judgment that comes at you, then you better perk these ears up and say, okay, God, What's it going to cost me? What do I do? How do I get there? How do I walk this out? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a fearless people in the last days. No judgment sticks to them. Zero. Zip. Nada. None. Hallelujah. Judge nothing before the kairos. Not kronos. Who brings the Kairos? The Holy Spirit is in charge of Kairos manifestation. That's his realm. He can create one right now. He can create one tomorrow. He can give you and I a Kairos. He can bring a judicial moment in manifestation and what he's saying is, you've got to be prepped for judicial moments. And if you're not solid in how you walk so that no judgment sticks to you, you can't call down the fire. You know what your inheritance is? Your inheritance is in Revelation 11. Fire comes out of your mouth. Just like God anointed Jeremiah. I have made the word in your mouth a fire, and this people the wood it consumes. God anoints his people with fire. When he baptized us with the Holy Spirit, it came with tongues and fire. They go together. God has ordained that you and I stand in the fire of the last days, and we're not afraid of it. Because if you're going to call down fire, you have to stand in the fire you call down. So let's get to that place where there is no judgment that sticks to us because we know our justification. We know who we are. We know who redeemed us. And we have the witness. Everybody say the 
witness. Oh, the witness. The witness, the witness. First John chapter four. Oh yeah. Oops. Sorry about that. Chapter five. Verse four. First John chapter five. Verse four. For whatever is born of God, Nikao, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Wow. That looks pretty simple. There's something going on here. We know who we are. We overcome the world like Jesus did. We get serious about that inheritance. So we are not of the world. We are of Christ. So our faith helps us walk in a different place. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who, circle that, bears witness. Now write write this word somewhere in your Bible. Mar, M-A-R, two, T-O-O, Ray, R-E-H, dash O. Mar, two, Ray, O. Mar, two, Ray, O. A witness that only God can give you. That you're righteous. That you pleased him. A witness that the spirit was ordained to release in your heart. When you walk with him. It's the same witness. That told Peter. Ananias and Sapphira. Down. The witness that says you can stand in the fire, you can declare the fire, no fire can touch you. Because you are justified. I didn't write this. I mean, this is one clear gospel. Speaking of fire, it's walking in. little friendly harassment, just to make sure you're on your toes. Yeah, no problem. We, we are in 1 John chapter 5. And so far, we went back to Sunday morning, Sunday school. We picked up John 16. For this purpose, Jesus overcame the world. All right, so... And he's an overcomer. And then we look, okay, so uh, how does that work? And we went to Romans chapter 3. And it tells us there that you and I may overcome when we are judged. That we may be justified and that we... So the overcome anointing that Jesus bought and paid for for the world also extends over here to all the judgments, whether they come from Pharisaical church or whether they come from the world. 
So he anoints us to overcome any judgment that comes at us. Now we're finding out how. That's the assignment of the Holy Spirit. And he does it through a witness that he releases in here. A witness. Mar to re o. All right, that's the Greek word. All right, now you're caught up. First John chapter five, verse seven. For there are three who bear mar to re o. All right, do you circle the mar to re o in verse six? Circle the mar to re o in verse seven. First John five seven. For there are three who bear witness in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Verse eight. There are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Circle witness, mar, tu, re, o. Now, don't you find it interesting that the very same witness that is released in heaven is now released in earth? I wonder why. Because the purpose of Christ What he paid for was, as you and I grow in that relationship, same one he had with his father, heaven and earth come together in our assignment to bring the anointing and change things, to turn sickness and disease into health, to grow out arms and limbs and body parts, to recreate. Hallelujah. To transform people's lives. There are three, verse 7, that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. There are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Witness, 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 witness. There is a witness by the Holy Spirit. If we receive, uh oh, verse 9, you mean to tell me there are people who don't receive it? Oh, yeah. Not just a few. Oh, that tongue stuff's not for today. I grew up in a church like that. Christian church, disciples of Christ. The gifts died with the last apostle. They call it cessation theology. Died. Problem is, I went to Atlanta, Georgia to put in five different uh, applications for airline job. And my nephew had three vertebras who dissolved in his pack as a junior in high school. He's quarterback of the football team. And they told him they had to chisel bone off his back. He's got an 18-inch scar in his back where they opened him up. And they they formed... This bone they chiseled off the hip into three vertebrae. They wired them in place and did a bone graft. 12 to 14 months before you're going to be able to tie your shoes without pain. Football career's over. You'll never play football again. He starts reading the Gideon Bible. Saved. Healed. Healed. The surgeon came into him and was just shaking his head. I put a wire in your back because I wired in. That's the way we do it so we know it's going to stay. Now it looks like the only sign I operated on you is a scar on your back. Even the wire is gone and I didn't remove it. Now somebody who grew up in church but only saw God put people to sleep, that's what I came in the middle of. And you talk about a sign and a wonder. It was a sign and a wonder to me. Uh-oh, 
I made a miscalculation as a 10-year agnostic. I said, there might be a God, but I've never seen him do anything. And all of a sudden, oops, can't say that anymore. So, all right, so what are you going to do about it? And my own nephew led me to Christ. 10 years younger. He was a firebrand. No wonder. Wouldn't you be if you got released to go play football? Hell yes. He's healed. He went back to prove it. And he did. And then started pastoring. Who? Oh. <laughs> See, some people, I marvel at the power of religion. I had a cousin. We were the same age. We were in the same class all through the years. She married a Pentecostal preacher. They invited me uh, over. And, uh, I mean, the very last meal I had before I left for seminary, I had with them. <laughs> and, oh, Lord, I'll tell you what. Did we have a time? Because we were praying for our city. Because we were the only spirit-filled people. We were the only tongue-talkers that we knew of in the whole region around. And we started asking God to start baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. So what did God do? We prayed the prayer of agreement. God, you have to do something to open the eyes of people. So what God did was we had one speech therapist for three counties. She was a 72, three-year-old woman. She had rheumatoid arthritis. She had full leg braces. She had a full back brace. She had to have two crutches. And whenever she walked down the street, she walked like this. God said, you go to the Catherine Kuhlman meeting in St. Louis. God, I would, but don't have a ride. I'm going to give you a ride. She gets a call an hour later. We're going to the Catherine Kuhlman service in uh, St. Louis. And I think God said to call you and ask you if you wanted to go. She said, I believe I will. <laughs> Methodist. She left her braces, both leg braces and her back brace in St. Louis. And came home healed. And came home baptized in the Holy Ghost. So I invited her, said, you got to come over to Kingston. We're going to do this uh, uh, dinner and invite Christians. <laughs> do you know what the Baptists in her own city, Cameron, Missouri, said? She was never sick. you got to be kidding me. Did you ever watch that woman walk down the street? If you're the only speech therapist, you're fairly well known because anybody's got a problem in that area, they have to go to you. But I mean, the religious in, in all sides, in all denominations, ah, she was never sick. If, if we receive, first John chapter five, verse nine, the witness. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God 
has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He does not have the son of God, does not have the life. What do we know from 1 John chapter 5? God gives us a witness. Everybody say, God gives us a witness. God gives us a witness. Now, let's go to a chapter we all familiar with. Hebrews chapter 11. Hallelujah. You've got to back up to Hebrews 11. It's not too often you have to back up. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, oh, same word, same word. It is the theme. It is the thread of Hebrews 11. Martureo is the thread of Hebrews 11. Now, what does Hebrews 11 tell us? It tells you and I how to walk so that we always have the witness of the Spirit. That's what it tells us. So it's ain't rocket science. It's really simple. God, there's a witness in heaven. There's a witness on earth. When you have the witness, you can stand in the fire. When you have the witness, you always overcome when you are judged. No judgment sticks to you if you have the witness. What is the witness? Did you please God? You obeyed the Spirit. And the reward of obeying the Spirit is a witness in here. You pleased God. The whole chapter. One point. God's saying, if there's anything you need to get, you better get this. Because this is how you walk through judgment in the last days. Can't stick. It doesn't make any difference what mud ball they're throwing at you. It doesn't stick. Because you know who you are and you choose to walk in such a way that you always have the witness. When you have the witness, no judgment prevails against you. Church, God Almighty, Lord, make this real, cause it to settle in us. It's the key to being a witness in Revelation 11. If you get a hold of this, you now are qualified for what God covenanted with Moses in Exodus 34.10 at the very first adoption of Israel. As a son, you now become that New Testament son and daughter of the Most High. And you qualify for the Revelation 11 witness. You qualify for all. And, and what are you doing by the Holy Spirit? You are fending off all this judgment and you are pushing out some of God's own. You're calling down fire because you can stand in the fire you're calling down. You want to see a fearless church in the last days? Go home, look at yourself in the mirror and say, whatever you do, 
preserve the witness of the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. And that witness causes you to overcome when you are judged. Romans chapter 3. We didn't write it. Jesus wrote it out of his blood. Nobody condemns a blood-bought, obedient son and daughter of the king because they have a witness. Every day is a Kairos judgment day when you're walking in that. And who determines how it's going to fold? The people who come at you. They come at you with misjudgments. It comes back and grabs them by the throat. That's the first thing I noticed about Megan Kelly. God said, watch it. Watch it. She ended her career when she came against a man God had chosen. Now maybe she's repented. And maybe she's still dumber than dust. (laughs) Who knows? Not our issue. Who cares? This is what we care about. We are headed into the greatest season in the history of the church. And to navigate this, to walk this out, you've got to have a witness from the Holy Spirit that you pleased him, that you obeyed him. Then you can raise the dead. You can make them dead. It doesn't make any difference. Whatever God wants to do. Because we're not doing our own will. We're not dreaming this stuff up. We didn't choose to kill Ananias and Zavira. And, and we're going to choose to kill anybody else. But God may. Matter of fact, you bank on that. He kills more than he saves in Revelation. That's different. Mostly we have not been schooled for this. But the school for this is as simple as walking with God. You yield to the Spirit. You don't originate the judgment. It does not start with you. And because you didn't start it, you don't finish it, you don't execute it, you speak it when you get the witness. You release it when you get the witness. And as a son and daughter of the Most High, that's your job. God doesn't ask our opinion. He tells us what to do. He witnesses what to do. Tell them this. We'll save them if we can, but not up to us. Their choices are going to dictate which way it goes. You just have to lay down the plumb line. And you know what you find in in Isaiah 28? When you pray in tongues, guess what gets built? A plumb line on the inside of you. That's where that thing goes. The witness. Look at somebody and say the witness. Oh, hallelujah. All right, look at it. Now, faith is the substance of things for, hope for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. There it is. Mar, two, ray, oh. But faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, the thread is mar, to ray, oh, the, the entire chapter of 11. Hebrews 11, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained mar to re o Witness that he was what? 
Righteous. Oh, there, there's the justification right there. How do you, how do you, why are you justified? Uh, and why do you overcome when you are judged? Because you have a witness and the witness is two pronged. Manifestation number one, you're righteous. Manifestation number two, you please God. That's a lying crock of crap and it falls down. You destroy it with your words. Can't stand. You obliterate it. Because God has made you an overcomer. And the number one issue with him in the last days is just like he overcame the world, he has this myriad of unfolding promises to those of us who overcome. The more we have to overcome, the more more we shine for him. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God translated him before his translation. He had this martyreo. He pleased God. And so if he saw Adam die and decay, he said, God, thank you. I'd just pass on that. I'm walking straight into heaven if you don't mind. And he did. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he comes to God, must believe that he is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seven, but faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. All right, what do we know about that martyr? Oh, it's a two-edged sword. Your obedience... To the Holy Spirit is a two-edged sword. One edge declares you righteous and that you please God. The other edge God can use as a standard to judge the world. This one obeyed. Why didn't you? And so God can use it to judge sheep and sheep. Uh Uh-oh. So you mean if I got one Holy Ghost nutcase in the church, I'm going to be judged if he's obedient and you're not? All it takes is one. Creates a standard. Guys, I'm talking to you about the key to the fearless church in the last days. I'm talking to you about nobody can kill you before you finish your race. All the promises are yes and amen when you have the witness. Nothing is impossible to us when we have the witness. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterward receive. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise in a foreign country. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful to promise. Therefore, from one man, him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly, they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now, 
They desire better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God is ashamed of some Christians who will not obey the Spirit. Their life is a shame because the giants usually rule them and they become enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippians chapter 3. By faith, verse 17, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he received the promise, offered up his only begotten son. All right, stop there. We'll come back shortly, very, very, very shortly. Go to Genesis chapter 22 because in Genesis 22 is is the key to the witness. The key to the witness, Genesis 22. Hallelujah. How do you guarantee that you're going to have this witness your whole life? Well, this is what you do. You do what Abraham did. Verse 1, now it came to pass when these things God tested Abraham. Said to him, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go up to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Oh, what a deal that was. So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his uh, young men with him, and Isaac his son, split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place that God had told him. Verse 4, Then on the third day Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder, worship, and we will uh, come back to you. So Abram took Isaac his son, took the fire in his hand, the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Look, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Oh, God, how do you answer a question like that? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which uh, the altar was, and there they built it and put the wood in order, bound Isaac his son. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the ladder, do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son. Circle verse 12. There is the key to the witness. Key to every single one of us, the witness. Do not withhold what God from God when he asks you to do something. Whether it's give something, go, go somewhere, say, don't withhold what God wants. Don't withhold from the Spirit when He wants you to do something. Obey when you get a prompting, when you get an urging to go, to do, to say, to be, to whatever. Yield to the Spirit. Because you have not withheld your Son, your only Son. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. Oh, my. You talk about guaranteed provision. Oh, my. Abram called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it said to this day. Then the angel of the Lord called Abram a second time out of heaven. He said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld. Now, there's twice. Because you've done the thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing I will bless you. In multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven as a sandwich on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Church, nobody can be an enemy and survive. Nobody can be an enemy and live. When you do what God, 
When I did what God told me to do in the 80s, it became purifying the altar. And all, and only leaders, I mean, it was usually men in ministry. They came against me. And two years after they'd come against me, they were gone. You will look for your enemy and not find them. And so when I look around behind me, I see a string of dead bodies. I didn't ask for that. But I'll tell you, that's the truth. When you have the witness, nobody... Oh, God, raise up a body who will walk in the water. Raise them up. Let us see it before we leave. A body who will not withhold from you. That's right. not asking you to do something we have done. I think if you're going to lay down a standard like this, you need to walk it for a while and prove it. This message has been a long time in the making. That you may prevail when you are judged. Man, there's the boldness of the last day church. Because before you ever open your mouth, you know if they reject what you're about to say that the Lord told you to, they're the ones that are going to the grave sooner rather than later. This is the foundation for how you preserve the witness. You don't withhold. Hebrews 11 is full of people like that. You know, I believe the greatest Hebrews 11 is yet to be written. The greatest Hebrews 11 is sitting in pews like tonight. A congregation of people who have not withheld, who have walked with the king, Oh, my. Oh, my. How does this thing? You've got, okay, Moses. How did he walk? He did not withhold. Whoa, look what he did. Brought a whole nation out. Plus, when Moses gave up the silver and gold of Egypt and identified with the Israelites in bondage, then 40 years later, he comes out. Everything he gave up, he brought it out. He brought out the silver and he brought out the gold. What he gave up, he ended up bringing out. For the Israelites. He guaranteed the transfer of wealth. Because of how he walked. There are men and women right now. Who guaranteed the transfer of wealth in the last days. Because they didn't manipulate for money. When you walk out on land. And the people who have been there before start talking to you. And they are rejoicing because you have come. I want to tell you what. I have never had an experience like that in my life. But I had it. it is oh man church I want you to know I believe with all my heart the men and women that are in here tonight and all those who have chosen to walk this way these these are your fearless church in the last days By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 
choosing rather to suffer affliction than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. And God said, okay, Moses, now take the silver and gold. And he healed three million people so they have enough faith to go do it. God, wouldn't it be amazing if what we're talking about right now launched a healing revival for the church so that the church could come alive to their heritage so that every single member of the church has a personal testimony of God's restoring healing power in their life? Oh, my. Just imagine what we're going to look like. i got a feeling that's what we're knocking on the door. I got a feeling that's what's coming. But now notice how this thread goes all the way through. Uh, verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. 32, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Brack, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, how did all this happen? Witness, 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 martyreo. Witness. It all happened because of people who pleased God and had a witness. Oh, man, guys, this isn't hard. It's a choice that we all make. Those giants are all self-issues. So the real choice is we've got five areas of temptation, self, 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 versus five areas, submit to God, submit to God, submit to God, submit to God. Selfish ambition or God's choice? Self-will or God's will? Self-righteousness? God's righteousness. Self-protection, self-protection, a he-man. That's the biggest giant of all. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to correct me. Dumber than dust. This is one of the things the Lord told me to do. He said, when you go into church, submit yourself to that leadership. If they walk the way I've led you to walk. Because if you ever stumble into success, <laughs> your greatest temptations won't come until you got more money and you know what to do with. You have, for a season of success, you have to have men and women that you trust and you invite them to correct you if they notice you're going off on a tangent. That saves you. Look at all the, the of our generation. Look at all the men who failed. What do they have in common? They all have the same thing in common. They got too big for anybody to correct them. There was no voice that could speak to them. Come on. That's a giant. And finally, the spirit of mammon. I'll manipulate for money. I'll give this silver and gold, and you'll walk out with it. All right, jump down to verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts, mountains, 
dens, caves of the earth, and all these having obtained a martyreo through faith did not receive the promise. Hallelujah. What do we know about the martyreo that we see right here? We get it by faith, and it is the whole thread of this book. How do you get a martyreo? You yield to the Holy Spirit. You walk with the living God. And that's the truth, and I'm sticking to it. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, we're asking you for the fruit, the fruit of obedience, the fruit of yielding to the Spirit. In Jesus' name, let us see the fruit of yielding to your Spirit. Because we have not withheld, then in Jesus' name, do not withheld your healing anointing. Father, your revelation, your secret manna, I mean, all the blessing that comes from revelation. The overcomers, I will give you power over the nations. God, it's time for that power to flow in your church. Hallelujah. You made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We are your overcomers in the earth, and you've anointed us to overcome. In Jesus' name. Now, give us a church of people who are overcomers. Hallelujah. And Father, let the witness take us to the pinnacle of our gifting and calling. And let your purpose unfold in front of us. Give us a harvest of nations. We thank you for it. We rejoice in it. And we are calling it forth. And we count it done. In Jesus' name. And everyone agreed by saying... Amen. I want you to find at least three people and say, I choose, I choose to protect my witness from the Spirit by yielding to Him. Help me walk that way. Find somebody and tell them, I choose. Now help me walk this way. I choose to preserve my witness of the Spirit. Help me walk this way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.